Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, for someone covering the Penn State Nittany Lions, I'm guessing you had a busy last couple days talking recruiting. I remember at the end of last show, uh, Jim and I always talk about like, hey, what might be on the horizon for next week? What are we going to talk about? We didn't really come away with anything after the show. But I knew in the back of my mind, like, oh, there's going to be some stuff after Penn State hosts their first official visit weekend of the summer uh, this pre- this previous weekend. So, yes, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on um, Sunday through Monday evening, um, just on the back end of, like, producing the work that comes out of all of the reconnaissance and stuff we've been doing previously. So, yeah, it was a very busy weekend this past weekend. Yes, but a week ago, did you have three commitments on your bingo card, T. Frank? No, I did not. I did not have Penn State picking up uh, an offensive lineman that they had just met. <laughs> like, basically, <laughs> came up for the first time and commits after official visit weekend during his first visit to uh, Pennsylvania, I think. Definitely first visit to Penn State. Um, so, yeah, a, a productive weekend for the Nittany Lions, filling in some important holes in the in the uh, in the roster on the 2024 class. Well, since you mentioned, let's start. He was the first to commit, the first one you mentioned, and that is Derek Plaz, who T. Frank was referring to. Offensive lineman, he's the uh, fifth offensive lineman, I believe, that they picked up in this cycle. He's out of Florida. Again, Penn State keep pounding uh, Florida for commitments. And he's a three-star Six foot five, two eighty, listed as a tackle. That's always, I guess, my first question: Is he a tackle, T. Frank? And let's start with that and go from there. He can be, and that's the important thing about Plaz and how he fits into this class, which I think is is brilliant. Is he is six foot five, two eighty. He has enough length and athleticism to play on the outside, but also he's got the body type that can transition inside. So truly. If you consider a guy that Penn State recruits, if they if they have interior flexibility, Penn State usually doesn't discern right away. You'll get snaps at center, right guard, left guard, figure out where you fit the best. So he could potentially play five positions on the offensive line. And at 280 pounds, a, a raw prospect, but um, from an execution standpoint of like actually executing the play, not very raw, just kind of how he does it is not exactly technically right. So um, a bit of an upside play there, but in terms of athleticism, he's he's on par with the rest of the guys in this class. So a guy that can play outside, um, I think a hedge to the guys that need to develop, both Egan Boyer and Garrett Sexton on the leaner side, but pure tackles. Now you've got a guy who's you know a little thicker, a little more stout, I would say, but also uh, has the athleticism to play on outside on the outside. More of a traditional Penn State tackle prospect, which means he has a lot of versatility. So the way he fits into this class, he can fill a lot of holes. And I think that's a really smart decision for Penn State to make and for Phil Troutwine to make is that now they have this third tackle that if things work out great, 
you know, he can bump inside. And if things don't work out great, he's another guy that can play on the outside. So they get to have a little bit of everything in Derek Plaz. I've learned from you that we worry about length with these guys and specifically yeah. arm length. What are we yep. talking about as far as arm length for Derek Plaz? Good enough. Uh, shade under 33 inches, which is kind of the cutoff for what you're looking for at the tackle position. So, and that's why I say he's got tackle versatility. You don't need to have perfect X, Y, and Z to play tackle, as we've seen, like guys that play at Penn State previously haven't had every single thing to check the box. But he's got enough athleticism, footwork, movement, length that he could play tackle. But he, um, you know, and that's what I'm saying, like on the interior, I think he projects a little bit better in there because the length isn't quite the same as the other guys because those guys are 34 and 35 inch arms. He's a little bit under 33, but still has those, uh, you know, he has enough length, enough athleticism. It could work at tackle, but he also, um, it'll be harder for him to hit because I think he can also shift to the inside with those measurables and still have good, really good length for the interior. So that's why I think it's such a good pickup is he's, he's not, you're not relying on him to be the tackle in this class. He can be whatever he needs to be because Penn state has picked up enough of those body types that can play outside. I mean, Hell, we talk about Cooper Cousins as a center. He's six foot six. So, like, they've got a lot of versatility in this class where they could play a bunch of different guys at different positions. So, Plaz can just fit where he fits now. At T. Frank, when, as fans, and I include myself in that, we look at guys, we, we've never seen Derek Plaz play. We've never seen any of these recruits play. We depend on, we look at stars right away. If it's right. a five-star or four-star, we stand up and cheer. When it's a less than four-star, we get concerned. The backup plan is you look to see what other offers he has. What's interesting to me is even though he's a three-star, at least in Florida, it seems to be he's recognized as a talent because of the interest from Miami and Florida State. Yeah. Should I be concerned that this, hey, and I know three stars are going to be part of the recruiting class, but when you already have, uh, you know, four, possibly five offensive linemen, and it's still pretty early in the process, do I get concerned or should I be concerned that they're bringing in a three star? Yes, uh, overall, but that's where you got to do, not not that fans have to do the work to find it, to find out like I do, but that's where I do the work to say, what type of three-star is this? So I look at, you know, his, that's why I look at upside and athleticism and all the testing numbers. And um, the way the recruiting thing, the, the, the whole recruiting cycle works is a guy might not be discovered for a number of reasons until later in the process. And then as his profile develops further and we get more information, he might boost up the rankings. Um, but in terms of like, what type of three-star is he? I would rather have, a three-star with upside than a four-star that I have concerns about one part of their game or another. And not to pick out individuals over the last couple of years, but if you're a big tackle and you're six foot eight, but you don't move very well and you've got stiffness issues, I, I'm more concerned about that than I am a guy who's a three-star, a little bit underrated. Maybe he doesn't have elite traits in one place or the other, but is really good all over the place and um, you know can be developed. That's the other thing I think you should look at in terms of the offers. Uh, NC State offered Derek Plaz. NC State is a really good offensive line school. They take guys 
and they develop them. They're kind of the, the and I always use this as kind of a, a measuring stick, which is maybe a little bit unfair, but NC State's kind of like the Iowa of the ACC, where they're going to be really tough. They're going to play really well in the trenches, and they're going to find these guys that they can develop in their strength program and make them into, you know, uh, Iki Iquanu was a top five pick in the NFL draft. So they can, they, they identify talent, I think, similarly to Penn State. And they have a reputation for developing those players. Miami, I think they have a good eye for talent as well. Uh, you see how Penn State and Miami are in battles for similar players all over the recruiting roster. So he's got quality offers. He's got serious offers from Power Five schools that to me are meaningful. And he chose Penn State because he wanted to be developed. So that's another thing from Phil Troutwine's perspective, a feather in his cap of maybe this isn't a four-star guy, maybe this isn't a five-star guy, but at the same time, he's a serious prospect that chose chose Penn State over other known offensive line development schools. Mario Cristobal is not messing around with offensive linemen. Uh, so that's I, all of these things are, are good. It doesn't mean he's going to turn into that guy, but it means that you have a quality prospect to develop. And however that story unfolds, to me, I look at this guy, I, I look at Eric Plaz, and I see a lot of things I want to bet on in the recruiting process. So yeah, three-star it, it, if it's if it's late in the cycle and you're like, I don't know about this guy, I, I'm a little concerned, that's fair because uh, in the past, Penn State has not gotten guys with this physical profile to commit to Penn State. They've been three stars of a different variety. But uh, Phil Troutline's finding the what the ones you want to get on roster that are your your roster that are up and coming prospects late in the cycle that teams are finding out about for one reason or another in their junior season more so than in their sophomore season. So uh, a roundabout way of saying you should be concerned, but that's where hopefully we're doing a good job here of informing people of, okay, being honest about one guy here, my concerns and another guy here, the the things that I don't think are a concern. And Derek Plaz to me of the guys that they've recruited recently. And you know, this late crop of players, I think he was one of my favorites of this guy's got a lot of potential and talent. But there's a lot to, of work to do in terms of getting him to that place. But for a player that that talks about wanting to be developed, I think that's a great place to start. Of He's got the mentality to develop, and that's, that's half the battle, too. My one downside with this recruit is I'm going to misspell his first name. Okay, <laughs> so that's, that's going yeah. to be my ongoing issue. He spells Derek D-E-R-Y-C. I am going to misspell that as, as we go forward. The other part to this, though, uh, T. Frank, and my last question I expressed concern about bringing in the three-star, but I have less concern because it's an offensive lineman where I think development is such a major part of the process, and I, one could always pick out at any position, oh, stars don't matter. Look, this three-star became a superstar. Yeah. But that's picking out the exception to the rule. Give me the five stars, okay? They hit sure. more often. But offensive line is probably the one position I think more four and five stars don't hit and more three stars do hit. And I'm just doing that in comparison to other positions. So there are five offensive linemen, and that's a big part of that is that it's almost half the offense. So you can't. Unless you're one of the top schools, you can't make up a full depth chart of just four and five star offensive linemen. And also the guys that get to play because they're, you know, it's a little bit like receiver. If you consider the offensive line as one position, 
there's a lot of them out there, which means that there's a lot of three stars and a lot of three stars that maybe are underrated for one reason or another. And it's about finding the traits and the tools of those guys that translate to the next level beyond just size, right? Or beyond just strength or one of those things that is kind of an outlier trait. You got to have all of the skills to be a guy that can contribute at the next level. So like I said, maybe he's a three-star offensive tackle, but if you've got guys on the outside that you're looking at and you're like, okay, we're really happy with these guys and he shifts to the inside, suddenly six foot five, 280 pounds with nearly 33 inch arms, great movement skills. I think he can block in multiple schemes. That's not a three star for a guard. That's that's you're bordering on a four star. So it's about positional fit, flexibility, versatility and being able to just do it. Offensive line is one of the most technically demanding positions on every single play, mentally demanding and physically demanding. So it's a hard bar to cross. Very good, T. Frank. It's an interesting topic. We've got more recruits to talk about. Stick around for quarter number two. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He is T. Frank Carr. I'm Jim Galante. We are talking Penn State's Big, big recruiting day on Sunday where they picked up three commitments. We spent quarter number one talking about offensive lineman Derek with a funny funny spelling, Derek Plaz. Now we're going to move to the other side of the line, T. Frank. Defensive tackle. We haven't seen a defensive lineman. I said defensive tackle. I probably shouldn't. He's played defensive end. I'm going to ask you whether he's a defensive end or a defensive tackle. And that's the commitment, Xavier Gilliam. He's out of Maryland, I believe. Yep. Had offers from places like Maryland and Pitt and Texas A&M. First defensive line recruit of the Dion Barnes era. What's Penn State getting with Xavier Gilliam? So I have been considering 
Xavier, a defensive tackle prospect for most of his recruitment. Um, I understand that there's some conversation about that not being the case, but I'll talk about him as a defensive tackle because like I, you, that's just kind of where my brain has been. And, but it is exactly, it's exactly what you expect. This is a traditional Penn state defensive tackle prospect because he's more of an end in high school and he's got a bit of a tweener body type, but you can easily see him growing into defensive tackle because he's 6'2", 260 pounds, great length, um, and a guy that you project with power and and uh, uh, maybe not the elite burst off the edge. Because for Penn State, they typically go for guys that have speed and bend and explosiveness off the edge. So, you know, I've been looking at him more as a guy that as he grows, he'll be 285 pounds, 6'2", 33-inch arms, everything you're looking for in a three technique. And that's kind of how I've projected him to the roster. Um, So I think that he's a good prospect in that. He's one of my favorites to watch on film because he's really good at football. I really like watching the guys that are good at football. It makes my job so much easier that I don't have to go. I don't have to squint and go, "Are, are those traits I'm looking for? Or is that just him running through a ninth grader? And, and, you know, he plays the game <laughs> with a, with a, with a style that translates. So all of those things are, are a huge advantage in his, uh, for him going to Penn state. So uh, was this a Dion Barnes recruit by that? I mean, he's now the new defensive line coach we've, and we'll be talking about later on that wide, wide receiver and defensive line are the two areas of this recruiting class. And it's no surprise when you get a new coach, those are yeah. the two positions that we haven't seen guys coming in. Is there such a thing now as a Dion Barnes type? I know it's only one recruit so yeah, far. Yeah, literally we've but, got one. <laughs> but but is this one of those where you see his fingerprints on this? You know, I'm sure he was part of the recruiting process. Yeah. Uh so he's he's been around for a little bit, so I think that a Dion Barnes commit is also a Penn State commit, if that makes any sense. Like he's cutting his teeth as a GA uh at Penn State analyst for a hot second, now defensive line coach. So I, I don't know that there's a difference. There, the, a difference will present itself in what he would do versus what other coaches would do. Um, we'll just have to see because we don't have enough information yet. And the, the question really is, is he going to get some of those defensive tackle prospects that are legit defensive tackle prospects? Like some of the guys that are on Penn State's radar that are at the top, you know, that, that are close to that defensive tackle one that you're looking for uh, in terms of ranking and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll say this, Benedict, Benedict Ume, who is one of Penn State's top defensive tackle prospects, is kind of like Xavier Gilliam. Uh, he's 245 pounds, 250 pounds in high school, plays an edge position, and just, you know, he's just so big on film that you easily project him to defensive tackle. But again, that's kind of a Penn State project is length, speed, athleticism can grow into the position, but isn't 300 pounds right now. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'm seeing a ton of difference between what Penn State normally targets and what Deion Barnes would target based on the players and the names in the film that I've seen. So I think it's, it's too early to tell, and it, it's all going to be determined by the success of the recruiter, Dion Barnes, to tell us what, you know, he's looking for 
as a coach. Um, so, so I think that's still very much TBD. And that's why you're banking on, on him and his recruiting skills and his ability to relate to players. That's one thing we heard quite a bit about. He's got to prove it. And, you know, in this cycle, Penn State's in a good position with some some big names at the position for defensive tackle specifically. I know we're talking about Gilliam and defensive ends, but it's all going to be informed by that because they've done a great job with those edge rushers. They've got a lot of good edge rushers in this class, um, you know, names that they can go grab as well. But defensive tackle, that's what everyone's talking about. There's a there's a reason they've been just shy of great there and they haven't had any really impact players I don't want to say since PJ Mustaver because I think because I Izzard can be that guy, but still we're talking about veterans. A lot of the guys on the roster right now, um, Zane Durant, like the, these guys need to filter in and start making an impact. So that this this next crop has to replenish what they've lost over time through attrition. And I think we all need to understand those one technique players who are three hundred plus pounds and also athletic and also a good football player. They're few and far between. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's not like Penn State saying, hey, we don't want that super talented one technique. It's yeah. just there aren't very many of them, right, T. Frank? And that's why you get guys like Gilliam and Ume. And I'll bring up Izzard again just because, you know, I think he's he's a great example of exactly what Penn State wants in their defensive tackles, which is if you're not going to get the guy that is 300 pounds already in high school, you want to get a guy who is going to be close to that with all the same athletic ability, and you're not going to sacrifice athleticism for size. Penn State just refuses to do that and, and, and won't take guys that are just big. And to be honest with you, they did. Cole Brevard, a couple years ago, was a one-tech. He, he was a nose tackle. He did not have the athleticism of a traditional Penn State recruit, and he couldn't make it on the field for Penn State. Um, so they have a type and they have had a reasonable success rate of converting those guys into really good defensive tackles for the college level, uh, but maybe aren't the superstar run defenders. So what, uh, what happens in this next crop is you just got to make sure if you're Dion Barnes, that you're getting the highest quality of that style. If you aren't getting those guys that have the pure size ability, plus the athleticism, which again, as you said, those guys are pretty rare. And even when they're in the region, they're targeted by Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, all the schools that, you know, are slightly ahead of Penn State or decidedly ahead of Penn State in recruiting. All right. Let's get to the last commit of the day on Sunday. And that was the safety Dewan Lane, four star committed to Penn State over folks like the names you mentioned, Georgia, yep. Michigan, Notre Dame. And talk about a typical Penn State a model here yeah six foot two 200 pound safety with the potential to become a linebacker that sounds like a penn state recruit t frank yeah i actually came all the way around on duan lane I'll, be, I'll just be perfectly honest with you when i first saw him i'm like this is the safety that they're recruiting this is their top safety but then i dug a little deeper, watched the film a little more. He's got amazing ball skills, his ability to break on the football. So all the things you just said about his size and his athletic ability aside, he has better ball skills than probably anybody but King Mac that I've seen recently in terms of anticipation and in zone coverage and reading routes and making decisions and not just being more athletic and getting there in front of a noodle armed quarterback from a high school. He makes decisions. And it's impressive to watch because he does it from multiple different positions on the football field. 
Um, I want to explain a little bit about his profile because if you go to on three, he's listed as a linebacker because of exactly what you said. He he's six, two and a half, 200 pounds. Um, he's not the fastest safety in the world, but he is still pretty fast for his size. Um, so I think that's going to change. He's a safety for Penn state for sure. Um, but in his school, especially on his film, you see a lot of him playing in underneath coverage, kind of in that Sam linebacker role for Penn state. Um, but his team plays a lot of cover three. So the red flag for me originally was, okay, he's not the deep safety. Does that mean he's not fast? But really watching him is just, they wanted to put him around the ball as much as possible. Good tackler. You want to use those instincts to break on routes and short routes and get interceptions. And he comes up money a lot of time for Gilman High School. Digging into it, I do want to see, like, what are his one-on-one skills? What are his individual, can he play that slot safety hybrid role? Or is he going to be more of a boundary safety? I think there's a fair comparison between him and Dakari Nelson. Nelson a little, Nelson feels a little more rangy for some reason. And I think it's because in high school he was playing corner. So maybe they have the same size and athletic profile, but it was being used in a, in a much more stressful way for Nelson. But I think they're going to be kind of in the same spot where they're playing the boundary safety. And what are their insane level skills? Like, that's what I want to know with these two guys, especially with Lane, which I need to dig into the tape a little more to find out what are his one-on-one skills. How did he look when he's playing that deep safety? Are, was his high school hiding him a little bit? where he wasn't playing as much of a too high or a single high safety. So that just helps inform what Penn State's going to use him to do. And I think that, you know, his his profile for Anthony Poindexter is perfect because he's uh, around 11 seconds in the 100-meter dash, maybe a little bit under, maybe a little bit over, depending on the meet. That's fast enough for a guy who is 6'2 and could be 220 pounds. So another big safety with unique skills that in Manny Diaz's defense can be very useful because when pressure, the defense is about pressure and creating urgent throws. And then the secondary taking advantage of that and getting interceptions. And I think he could be again with all these guys, it's projection. He could be a guy that is an interception machine at Penn state. If those instincts continue to develop and he, he continues to be an elite processor of information as a safety. It seems like we've had this conversation before about current Penn State players and future Penn State players. So tell me a little bit more. How does that fit the model of what Manny Diaz wants to do? It's it's as much Manny Diaz as it is um, Anthony Poindexter. I mean, he clearly has a type when it comes to the players he's looking for. I know King Mack is kind of an outlier there, but he's just so good and he plays so big that uh, he kind of fits the mold. KJ Winston all the way through Dewan Lane, big guys that can run. And I think that when you have that, it provides you more options. It makes you better as a run defense team because you've got a guy that's basically an extra linebacker that's playing the boundary safety. So it gives you some versatility as long as they're still sound in deep coverage. And with Nelson and Winston, you know, we have proven information that they can play in, in the deep coverage. I still think KJ Winston, I want to see it because I think he can do it, but I, you know, it's just one of those things. He's got to prove it now in the defense. These other two guys, they project well in that. Very good. T Frank. That's it for quarter two. Stick around. We've got your questions. We're going to ask T Frank. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. He will check them all out. Give great answers to each and every one of them. No pressure, T. Frank, but I'm putting it on great answers to every question. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out the best question. And whoever submitted that, they will win the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. A great barbecue package, including those new coffee barbecue rub. T. Frank, you ready to roll? A good answer is an honest answer, so I promise to give everyone a great answer, even if it's not what you're looking for. It'll be the truth <laughs> they, as far as I know it. All right, let's start with uh, David in Lancaster. It's actually a good question here. He says, as you've been watching film of the Manny Diaz defense this offseason, how did his schemes change over the course of last season? And do you think any will change going into his second year in the Big Ten and better knowing his players? Yes, and that's going to be one thing I noticed from him previously, I think. And, and this is always hard to tell because I don't know the situation of those other schools where he was at. I'm not an expert on Miami or even all the way back to Mississippi State where he was a defensive coordinator. Is like, what was the talent level? What was he overcoming or what was he doing? Penn State is going to have some strengths at linebacker. And having Abdul Carter, knowing what he's good at and what he's, you know, what he's what his strengths are for another year and even having uh, Curtis Jacobs and knowing what he can do, you know, where are his strengths? The defensive line, all these depth players, I think Penn State can do more this year from a sub package and personnel standpoint than maybe they did last year. So having that base of knowledge to work from is huge. Um but last year, I think that's where they kind of developed and that's where things changed. It's not necessarily the defense. The defense more or less kind of stays the same. It's how do you put players in position to succeed? 
what players are you using in those roles in the play and how does that affect the offense by, you know, surprising them with something they weren't expecting. So one of the biggest things that I saw last year was rushing Abdul Carter from the edge versus from the a gap that made him a linebacker rushing instead of an, just an edge rusher. And not that an edge rusher isn't impactful because they can be the most impactful player on any individual play. But the way they were able to do it last year with confusion and zone blitzing was, and I've talked about this a bunch of times on the show, Abdul Carter against a running back is a nightmare for 99% of the running backs out there. And that is going to be something that is going to generate pressure 50% of the time, you know, maybe more than that, 60% of the time when you get him one-on-one with a, with a running back in the backfield. Um, but teams are going to be prepared for that now. They're going to... They're going to shade themselves towards Carter. So what do you do in that situation? This is all the adjustment game by offensive and defensive coordinators, the constant evolution of teams. So, I mean, I guess I'm just thinking about my this situation as an offensive coordinator. I'm going to prioritize where Carter is on the play. Does that then take away and give a one-on-one to a Johnny Dixon, who would proved to be a decent blitzer as a corner last year? Has he improved in that uh in that facet, where does KJ Winston fit in all of this? Is he going to be a guy that blitzes or is he going to be the guy that covers? And then, of course, when you consider all of that, don't forget, you still have the premier edge rushing uh, tandem and trio probably in the country, if not uh, at the very least in the Big Ten at, at defensive end. So from a from a run game perspective, I would expect them to be I'm kind of just bouncing all over the place because this is a very wide question with a <laughs> lot of different tangents you can go down. Um, I think they 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 made use of their personnel in the secondary very well last year. A lot of press coverage, a lot of man coverage, but they mixed it up and made it harder for uh, quarterbacks to understand what was happening with that pressure element. And that's why they were so great on defense down the stretch. Um Without Joey Porter Jr., we still saw that Dixon and King were capable of of locking guys down. I would expect the same thing this year. So it's just going to be about the front seven and how versatile they are and how much you can use them in different situations. As you said, you could go at it this at a lot of different ways. My one take from it difference this year from last year. If you remember a year ago, we didn't know what they had at linebacker with Abdul Carter, new Curtis Jacobs coming off injury. Defensive end, we didn't know, was Adisa Isaac completely back. Chop Robinson, remember, was new, coming in a, from the transfer portal. Deny Dennis Sutton's a true freshman. All of a sudden, though, those guys go from question marks to not question marks this year. So yeah. I, I think that that's a big, big difference. Let's see. Okay, let's go to Brad and Percasy. He says, is it illegal for schools to donate to their NIL collectives? I'm assuming yes, but you never know. Also, with cornerback being thin, could we see freshman safeties be corners for their first year, like King Mack and Dakari Nelson? I'll take the first question about the NIL. No, schools cannot donate to the NIL. That's There's a separation there's the church and state thing going on there they're supposed to say separate so that's it i'll give you the second question though about the freshman playing cornerback to start i would say no um 
with the caveat of yes. <laughs> it's the answer is no unless it's yes. <laughs> yeah. So here, let me let me explain as I always try to explain when I give a stupid answer. But King Mac is going to be a slot player. Um, five nine, one seventy five, hits like a ton of bricks for his size. I love King Mac. But Daquan Hardy right now is the team's slot corner, and he looked like a new player this spring uh, in Manny Diaz's defense from what we saw last year. So that's the hill that you'd have to climb over to be the slot player because Penn State has too many good linebackers right now to pull that guy off the field unless it's third down. So that's where you've got an elite player with elite skills. You know, from a talent standpoint, Daquan Hardy is an elite feet corner. He's got hips and feet that can run with anybody NFL level skills that that way. Obviously, the size is a thing. Him playing with confidence and playing in that position, it would be hard for King Mac or Dakari Nelson to play over um, over over Hardy. Then we go to the outside corners. King and Dixon are going to lock that down. Cam Miller is going to be the third guy. They've got a good trio rotation like they had the year before. The question is going to be who's the fourth corner. Uh, is a Davian Collins going to be the fourth corner or is it going to be true freshman Elliot Washington? Who's built like a safety anyway. I don't see them putting Nelson at corner or bumping King Mac to the outside more likely than not. They would try to find somebody this summer as a, you know, who's already in the transfer portal, a veteran player to come in and be that fourth guy in the rotation to be a backup to the, you know, the starters that would be more likely than they move Nelson or King outside. And by the way, I thought um, the, the freshman corners did pretty well in the spring. Um, the, the, the corner from Pittsburgh, I apologize because I've spoken to him before, but I, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, I thought he did really well in the blue white game. So the freshman corners, like I think they they're good. I, I wouldn't be too concerned about having to move guys around on the roster be more about adding guys on the roster uh, for that fourth corner. Lamont Payne was the name I was looking for. Lamont Payne did well this spring. All right, let's go to Steve in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Steve says, T. Frank, to piggyback off Carl from Mifflinburg, his question last week about the Michigan game last year. Okay, okay. so defense defense was out-schemed and wore out after so much time on the field, no doubt. So conversely... What does the offense need to do differently or better to avoid the three and outs against all teams, but most particularly Michigan, who Steve points out in parentheses, I despise them. Yeah. So, so the defense can get a breather and hopefully get coached up and make needed adjustments. Convert third down. Um, in that game, Penn State had a couple of early third down conversions in the first quarter that they had until they didn't like Mitchell Tinsley had a, a third down conversion. And I forget if he dropped the ball or if he didn't cross the line, like he, if he had fought for an extra two inches, he would have gotten a first down Parker Washington had a, a similar situation. They had a third and short and they got stuffed. So just convert third down, be more efficient. And that game plays out very differently where they don't go three and out for the first three drives of the game. And then, Michigan and de defensively, this is something that they also have to do is be better on third down there. Michigan's game plan was great because they got into a lot of third and media, a uh, third and shorts, and they had the athleticism at, at, at corner or I'm sorry, at, at receiver and the speed to threaten Penn state. Plus they had the interior rushing attack where they could use option uh, RPO and a lot of different 
quarterback run elements where they had a Baltimore Ravens level advantage in third and short where they could do just about anything and get a first down. That was a huge problem for Penn State. So be more efficient on third down on both sides of the football. Stopping the run does is involved in that. Like we're not going to absolve them completely of getting pushed around because if it's third and two, you've got to get a stop once in a while. You can't just give it to them all the time. And uh, and I think that those things are attainable. It's not this program shift that they need to have. It's an adjustment to be more stout and to be more efficient on third down on both sides of the ball. And I think they've made progress in those areas, especially on the offensive side. Okay, we've got Tony in Philadelphia, and I may need to give you some background on this question. T. Frank, I'm always impressed with your honesty and football knowledge, so I expect that your life experiences are also exceptional. So please tell Jim that it is not only okay, but actually a sign of good taste to order a mushroom pizza at your favorite pizzeria. The quick background is we've had this discussion on uh, the Keystone Kickoff Show you put meat on a pizza. Okay. One of the <laughs> expressions someone was asked, uh, and I think it was Ross who said they asked about putting broccoli on pizza, and he said if he wanted a salad, he'd order a salad. So it's been kind of the mantra at Keystone Sports, you put meat on a pizza. Uh, but a pizza is basically an edible plate. So put whatever you want on a pizza because you're eating – you're eating the leftovers in your fridge on your plate, essentially, is you're making that's that's kind of how I viewed pizza. Now, pizza's become an art form and blah, 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 blah. I do agree. I, I, I draw the line at certain things like like broccoli. My sister once ordered a pizza that had about 13 toppings on it and it was too heavy for the, the you've, you've got to make it so that it's a culinary dish that makes sense. But there's a lot of different combinations that go with uh, the toppings. I'll even go so far as to say, like, I will experiment with the tomato sauce because I get heartburn a lot from red sauce. So if I get a white sauce, if I get a, a different sauce on a pizza, I'm not going to turn it down because here's the thing. It's bread and cheese. <laughs> Hard to do wrong there. <laughs> All right. Very good, T. Frank. We're going to get a winner named at the start of quarter four. Stick around for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He is T. Frank. I am Jim. We've been talking Penn State recruiting. T. Frank was taking your questions in quarter three. T. Frank, we need a winner. Who's it going to be? Out of the blue at the buzzer, Tony from Philadelphia wanting to talk about pizza. I was in, I enjoyed that conversation because I think that um, that's a, an important conversation to have in life is just because pepperoni and sausage are the number one things you put on a pizza doesn't mean it has to be the only thing. There's room in life for all different flavors and varieties. So I think it's a good allegory for life. And Tony, I'm in a weird mood today, so you're going to be getting our, our our prize pack today. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with the fact that our winner is the guy who has you putting me in my place. Here's I'm the other thing. Sure Here's I'm the other thing. Steve, Steve in Columbia, great conversation about that. But there's a part of me that wants to just like throw my headset every time we talk about Michigan that 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 game <laughs> it's great because it has created so much offseason talk but at a certain point it's almost like it's a like it's a historical thing that we have to study like it's a, a battle in the Civil War that we have to then go over uh, you know in class and have a take a six-week course on it's like at a certain point it's just yeah I, I could do without all of the Michigan talk but um I think it's still a good conversation. I don't want to put it down too much, but it's just like, ooh, that's a lot of Michigan this offseason. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this also, T. Frank. I think it's significant that when we pick out a winner for sending in questions about Penn State football, the winner gets a food prize, okay, yeah. from our friends at 409tailgateclub.com. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a food question uh, getting the win. And the pizza discussion – it's been an ongoing debate for years now here at the Keystone Sports Network, and I suspect that debate will continue, and I suspect we will always <laughs> give people time when they send in their, their food questions. All right, uh, T. Frank, let's get back to Penn State football. More specifically, let's get back to Penn State recruiting. And here's the thing, T. Frank. When I look over this class of 24 there's, what, 17 players now in the class? Yep. yep. And I keep looking and looking, and you know what I don't see when I look at that list, T. Frank? Your name? Well, that too. <laughs> 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 That's like a Cliff Clavin answer. But uh, I don't see any wide receivers. That Whether too. it's me or any other wide receivers. And I realize, and we mentioned it earlier, you have a new wide receiver coach. So things being a little bit slower at that specific position is not a surprise. Yeah. But I hope there's at least some news going on. And one of the names after this past weekend I'm seeing thrown around quite a bit is this uh, wide receiver from out in the Pittsburgh area, Peter Gonzalez. It sounds like he made an impression this past weekend. 
Yeah, so we talked about this uh, on my show earlier this week. So some of this stuff, you know, we is is public knowledge at this point. But he ran a four five four, and he did that at a previous camp as well. So backing up that number um, for a forty yard dash. Now at six two with a massive wingspan and big hands and a big catch radius, to me that is um, that's that's huge because I would I would have said a slower time would have gotten him, you know, into that threshold of a committable player. But that was the one thing he had to really prove at this camp was that he had the speed to play at Penn State because um, on film, coming off a knee injury, there were times where he didn't look super fast. Explosive, yes. And, you know, he had confirmed numbers of explosive metrics that proved he was a guy that had that that juice off the line. But then the question is the long speed. Does he can he separate? And um, yes, you know, I would say the answer is yes, he did a very good job in a bunch of different areas. He still, I think to me, when I'm looking at him as a, as a complete receiver, I do have questions about his lateral cutting ability. You know, can he run those hard in routes and out routes and create separation? There's still some work to do there, but if you're talking about, and I broke down all the positions and they're, you know, kind of their body types and everything last week at blue, illustrated.com, he's a pure X and you can get away with being that, um, uh, that, uh, that guy that's explosive long, maybe doesn't do as much of the, the full route tree. If you're running, um, you know, more linear routes and you're jumping up and, and catching balls in contested catch situations, more of the skill set of an X receiver than it would be a Z, you know, on the outside of the formation on the other side where there's all this room and cutting and precision and all that stuff are really, are really, really important. So he's now firmly in the mix. And the good news is you mentioned that they, they don't have any guys right now on the roster. They're running out of roster spots, um, but they've got a lot of names that are uh, they're, they're in with, and I think they're in strong position with. So they're going to have to most likely make some decisions rather than be scrounging, which is where they were last year, where they only got one receiver commit. And, uh, and, and I don't know that it was their top receiver commit last year. So they've got a ton of options this year and it's a, it's a really strong position heading into, uh, you know, this official visit season in June where they have the opportunity to even maybe force some guys to make a decision early because they're running out of spots and they don't have anybody at the position. So I think it's really, I think it's a really advantageous position despite not having anybody committed just yet you mentioned last year they only brought in one wide receiver I can't imagine them getting through this year's recruiting season without bringing in multiple wide receivers yeah they have to they have to get I think at least two um you know the question is are they going to be able to take four so this is and this is the other priority to me Marcus Higgins, looking at him, watching him coach, he is all about contested catch situations, fighting through traffic, catching the ball in adverse situations. Not as much about precision and route running and timing and all those things, although those are obviously still super important. And it's not like he ignores those, but it's like, what do you what do you focus on? What, what are you majoring in? Because the positions are so there's so many different things you can you can cover and you don't have the time like you do as a professional to do all of it all the time with college kids. Plus, his history is like they're they're leaning towards bigger guys this cycle. So what I've been trying to kind of emphasize the last couple of weeks is I've been overemphasizing positional body types, right? So X's versus Z's versus slot receivers with uh, Taylor Stubblefield. They were getting a lot of guys that were Z receivers. So an outside receiver, sure. But the skill set leaned more towards slot if they can't make it on the outside. 
So you've got a, a glut of these guys that play on one side of the field, but you don't have these big guys that maybe could play on the other side of the field uh, from X to Z. This cycle, I think they're going to focus more on guys that can play those boundary positions, those outside positions, more so than guys that have that Z slot ability because they got a lot of those guys on the roster right now. So balancing the, the body types and the complements of styles, Marcus Higgins, plus what they need, I think this is a really good time for them to lean a little bit bigger, which does give a guy like Peter Gonzalez, who plays that big X position, gives him a bit of an advantage, but it doesn't mean he's going to be the guy that they take because they've got some 1A targets that they have on the board that they have an opportunity with, and they're going to you know make sure those guys have a spot on the roster as well. So then when you're getting to the second tier, who are you prioritizing and which of those players do you think um, you want to take if you have the option to pick between a couple? Let's take a look at some of those 1A guys. What are a couple of the names that Penn State fans should be aware of that are that top-tier guy that Penn State has a shot at? So the top two are Nick Marsh from um, Michigan. He's been long-time target for Penn State now. There's been a lot of conversation, a lot of news, a lot of talk about Nick Marsh. He is that six foot three, not super fast, but physical, great contested catch, great body control, great catch radius, all the stuff that we're talking about and looking for. And, you know, you can get a little bit faster. He might be a guy that with all those skills could be even like a four or five guy um, eventually in his career. You don't need to have four or four speed right now. You need to have the ability to be that explosive and um, he isn't not necessarily my type of receiver personally, um, but he is really good. There's there's no denying that he does have a lot of skill. A guy that I love, maybe more of a Z overall, but plays X in high school and can play the X position, Chance Robinson, who I think is probably the best player we're going to talk about today in terms of overall talent, um, fast, physical, plays big, plays bigger than his 6'1 frame, uh, runs great routes. He's really the total package. The, the problem is he's committed to Miami. Took an official visit this past weekend to Penn State, so he's not locked in with the Hurricanes. Might not end up there, but where does he go? He's a top, I think, 150 commit, so there's a lot of teams that are after him, not just Penn State. I don't think um, that it's going to be an easy thing for Penn State to do, but it is a possibility. So those are the top two guys, and to me... Uh, I think you've got a good chance with both of them, definitely with Marsh. And then the question is like, how does it all shake out with Chance Robinson, who I just his film is so much fun to watch. If you have a chance, just go watch his little highlights. And that's really what he is as a football player. Like the, the full game film, you're not going to learn too much more because you've got like 10 minutes of everything you want to know about a receiver on his highlight film. Let's talk about the fact that they have 17 players in this class already. So they are filling up. There's not a whole lot of slots left. So it starts to become a question of where are these slots going to go to? Yeah. And we mentioned earlier they just got their first uh, commit for the defensive line. You still have multiple slots to fill that wide receiver on the defensive line, T. Frank. Are the numbers going to be there to do that? Are there any other holes in this class that have to be filled you know, so yeah. how are you balancing out those numbers? It's a great question. Penn State wants to take another quarterback. Uh, you imagine another safety, two safeties in the class, another linebacker, and then elite talent in any position plus the defensive line. So 
<laughs> you've got you've got the defensive line maybe making up half of the final, let's say, 10 spots if they have a really big class and go over 25, which they have the flexibility to do. Um, so then that's where that extra receiver position comes into play. Is a quarterback more valuable? I would say even when they need receivers, a quarterback, the right quarterback would be more valuable than having another receiver. I don't think they're going to take a lot of linebackers now. I think this really limits the number of outside guys, especially seeing as they took extra linebackers last year in terms of they took three guys when you were expecting them to take just two maybe last year. Um, and then corner, elite corners, you know, they've got some really good corners. If they come across an elite corner, they're not saying no at that position. Um, and then edge rusher again. Then you've got your outliers of, a Liam Andrews, a Gerby Lambert, some of the top players at different positions that are elite talent. You've got to have some wiggle room for those guys as well. So it's always about who commits when, what players decide to join the program. Um, so it's all, it's a numbers game, but I think they're in a good position to land a lot of really quality players in the second half of the recruiting cycle. Very good T Frank. Unfortunately, we are out of time. That is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.